Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week, our podcast features episodes three, four, and five of the Corsican Brothers. It is a serialized adventure, and you can listen to the first two episodes, and indeed all of the episodes, at comicweb.com. These first aired in 1938. The Corsican Brothers, from the novel by Alexandre Dumas. In this strange story of two identical young men whose destinies were locked together in the bond of blood, it has already transpired that Louis Prévost, the young Paris fashionable, is very much in love with Émilie Latouche, one of the young lovelies of Paris. On the Isle of Corsica at this time, another young man, identical in figure and features with Louis Prévost, has heard that some of the family he hates most in the world are passing through the district. It is arranged that they will ambush Dino Gadici and his daughter Marianne and shoot them. But Lucien is still strangely happy. And just at the moment when his counterpart Louis holds the beautiful Emilie Latouche in his arms on the terrace of the Marquise's home in Paris, a horse rounds the bend with a single rider in the pass of the Corsican mountains. Griffo and Lucien make ready to shoot. But there is a surge of happiness in Lucien's heart and he stays his hand. She's seen you. Shoot, Lucien. Shoot, or she will shoot first. I can't. Oh, what is the matter with you? Oh, no, no. She's too beautiful. She's a tigress, and she'll draw on you if you don't. Look out, Lucien. Be careful. You shit devil. Look, she's winning a horse now. She'll get away. Shoot, Lucien. What are you doing? Not so fast. Let me go. Let me go. Down from your horse, or I'll break your arm. What? Yes. What do you want of me? If it's money, there's some in the haversack. Not much for pigs such as you, but if you want the money, take it and let me go. We don't want the money, mademoiselle. We want your life. My life? You know who this gentleman is? This gentleman who has your arm in a bicycle grip? Who would for two pins break it in two? Who are you? I am Lucien de Franchi. De Franchi? You're a de Franchi? You heard what my henchman said? Would you like a broken arm? You feel... So it was planned... You were waiting for me. You and your father. Where is he? He didn't come. Providence has cared for him. But only for a while, Tigress. The Defranchis will hunt him from his lair and kill him. His own gun has accounted for three. And yours, we've heard tell, Mademoiselle, you would wipe the Defranchis out of existence. They will go. This filth here and his mother. What chance have you against us? Twenty-nine of us. Twenty-eight in a few minutes, Mademoiselle. What of it? Well... Why don't you kill me? Kill me now. You have no fear, mademoiselle? I do not fear a defranchi, if that is what you mean. It makes me ill to be so close to you. To have your hand touching mine as it twists my arm. Kill me and put me from my discomfort. Oh, you don't fear death? My only regret is that I didn't see you sooner. Had I been in your position and you in mine, there would have been a kill. You show poor prowess with a gun. Perhaps. On the other hand, mademoiselle, perhaps I do not want to kill you. Oh, you would torture me first, eh? And do you think Marianne de Dici would cry out for mercy? 
Never, do you understand? Never. Even if you rent me a pot, I would be happy to die in this way. If it were only to disappoint you with your vicious planning. They call you Tigress. It is a very good name. Well, what harm and torture have you devised? What is it to be? Even in fate, your face is beautiful. Why does beauty and viciousness go hand in hand? Oh, Griffo. Griffo, quickly. One of the horses slipped loose. I'll fetch him, but watch her, Lucian. Watch that parasite. I've heard so much about you ever since I was a little boy. And I about you. You are lucky to be alive, monsieur. When you were a baby and my father and uncle surrounded your house and burned it down, it was fortunate that you were not taken as well. Perhaps unfortunate for you. Lota. Oh, how I hate you. Stand away from me so I can look you full in your face. <laughs> and don't go near that gun. You know what that would mean. I know a bullet is for me sooner or later. So why not fire now as I stand? I can't kill you, Mary. No. Are you crazy? No, I'm not. I, I just can't kill you. You're mocking me. It's a form of your torture. No. I always thought, when the first time came, that I wouldn't hesitate, Marianne, even when it came to shooting a woman dead. But now I... I just can't do it. So, this is Lucien de Franchi. This is the hated de Franchi I've heard so much about. The deadly shot, the expert woodsman, the mighty wrestler, the brave, the fearless. Ah. It would almost seem that you invite me to kill you. Do you want to die, Marianne? Want to die? It's something I've never thought of. Living. Dying. I've been brought up with only one thought in my mind. To avenge my ancestors. And because you are at my mercy and I let you go free, you hate me all the more. I think that would be impossible. Well, you'd better go. And go quickly. When Griffo comes back with that horse, if he sees you and hears of my decision, he may not be so lenient. His fingers will itch for the trigger of his gun. You're a strange man, Lucien de Franchi. I'm in a strange mood tonight. Perhaps it's the full moon which cloaks and softens a face that must be hard in the light of day. Now go quickly. Mount your horse if you want your life. I can hear Griffo coming back. Goodbye, and, and thank you for nothing. Thank you for nothing? I am in your debt for my life. It's the last thing I would have wanted. From a defonchi... Who was so hard, so bloodthirsty. Her face in the light of the moon is like a pale blue. Like a pale blue mist. Your face is like a pale blue mist. Darling Amelia. Hold me closer, Louis. If only time could stand still. If only this moment could last forever and forever. It will, darling. It must. When your father comes back to Paris, have I your permission to pay my respects? I'm young yet, Louis. Only 18. Father will hear from no one, not yet. But when the time comes? When the time comes, perhaps it might be possible. Perhaps? This has all happened so quickly, Louis. You and I, here on this lovely terrace, in this lovely moonlight, you, you who so barely know me. But I do, I do. I've followed you with my eyes whenever we've been in the same salon together. 
I've waited for a glimpse of you at every opera, at every theater, at every soiree that's ever been given in Paris. And merely promise now, at this moment, while we're here, away from the others, that you'll marry me. Oh, there are many difficulties. My father and... And uh... what? You do love me. You said so. Yes, but let us get to know each other just a little better. Could not that be possible? Possible? I'll never leave you alone from now on. You'll detest me at the end of a week. And Lucy, and you're ill. What are we to say to your mother? What are we to say to the world? Oh, leave it to me, Grippo. Your mother will be beside herself. Oh, yes, I know, I know. Oh, perhaps I did wrong, Grippo, but whether it was the madness of the moment or... Or those eyes. The eyes of a tigress. Grippo. So one of the Gadici 67 years ago killed two women of our family... We've never thought to wage this vendetta against the women. Your mother thinks differently. Oh, I know, Marianne should die, but somehow... Oh, I've failed at the front. miserably. Haven't I, Griffo? Oh, it was a moment of madness. Oh, I dread to face my mother, but I must tell her the truth. There's only one thing for it, Lucien. You, you must put her down to one of your strange moods. That's the truth of it, Griffo. It was a strange mood. Huh? It was? Yes. Haven't you yourself remarked about me this very night? And so has my mother. For some unaccountable reason, I was happy all day, light of heart and of footstep, until this very moment. Now I feel depressed, gloomy. A black mood stealing over me. It's because of the eye ordeal which lies before you, Lucien. The ordeal to face your mother. <laughs> I would not be in your shoes now, even if I were to call the whole of Corsica my own. <laughs> Marianne may be a tigress, but your mother, when you tell her the truth, she'll be transformed into a thousand devils and all tearing at you at once. <laughs> Most of your house, Louis, and you haven't spoken. Tired? It's two o'clock. No, I'm not tired, Pierre. It's just a black mood. Black mood? <laughs> you should be the happiest man in Paris. Didn't Amelie give you her promise? Mm, it was almost a promise. In that space of time on the terrace, Pierre, it's something that I'll turn over and over in my mind for the next month, relishing each minute, each second of the ecstasy. Then why so gloomy? since you were so successful with the Midi Latouche. Gloomy, because I'll be desolate for a whole month, Pierre. She's going away to the country. Oh. I should be left alone in Paris. Oh, so that's it. <laughs> what a boy of moods you are. All day walking on air, the light of love in your eye, and tonight... Oh, it'll pass. It's only for a month. A month? A month? Louis, perhaps I can solve your problem. You? Oh, uh, just a moment. I, I'll see you to your door. Uh, wait, Clutchman. How could you possibly solve my problem? I think I mentioned that at the end of this week I'd be taking a well-earned holiday from my writing, Louis. Yes, you were contemplating a sea trip. Mm -hmm. I'm combining business with pleasure. There's an island in the Mediterranean where many strange customs are prevalent, including this extraordinary vendetta warfare. 
Vendetta? Yes. It's a place called Corsica. I've arranged to go there to holiday for three weeks. Since you'll be alone and desolate in Paris, why don't you come with me? destiny draws Louis and Lucien closer in this extraordinary story of twins. But how did it happen that each bears a different name? Soon the secret will be laid bare. The secret of the Corsican brothers. Corsican Brothers, from the novel by Alexandre Dumas. Destiny moves to bring two young men, the image of each other, into close contact when Pierre Godet urges Louis Prévost to go to Corsica with him. Louis is desperately in love with the beautiful Emilie Latouche who is to go away to the country for a month with her aunt. Pierre, a writer, thinks that if Louis goes to Corsica with him for three weeks' holiday, it will prevent him from being lonely while Amelia is away. Well, Louis, say you'll come. Amelia may come back sooner than expected. She told you so? No, but I'd be willing to wait here and hope. Oh, Louis, Louis, my boy, you're in love. Very much in love. Perhaps too much. Too much? I could never be too much in love with a girl like Amelia. But don't let's stand here, Pierre. Come inside. Perhaps a glass of wine before you go home. Well, Louis, I am a little weary. It's been a long evening. So many chattering people at the Marquis's. But you lucky man, you avoided it all. I hope the Marquis didn't notice. But I just couldn't help it, Pierre, when I knew that Amelia was to meet me on the terrace. I, I wanted to be away from that chattering crowd. All those young women. A great many of their mothers missed you, Louis. <laughs> Matchmaking mothers. I know. So long as I've not offended the Marquise. If she had so much to do, poor thing, that she wouldn't notice anything. Ah, the fire's burning brightly. The servants must have expected me home at this hour. Perhaps your uncle is still up. No. These nights he goes to bed early. He's not very well, my uncle, just now. Here's the wine for you, Pierre. Thank you. Pierre, I've read your books. And often you've spoken of love, but... Never have you conveyed the feeling that I have in my heart at this moment. I'm wondering if you've ever been in love yourself. Me? In love? 
Yes, Louis. I was once. She was Italian, with the most beautiful smile I've ever seen. We were engaged. But you didn't marry? She died. Sudden chill. Three days in bed, and it was all over. You never told me this before, Pierre. It's something I can never bring myself to mention. But now, to see you so much in love, it takes me back to my day when, when I was as old as you, Louis. Please take this advice from an older man. Don't love too deeply. Why not, if the girl is worthwhile, as Amelia is? Because if anything happens, the blow is almost too much for one human being to bear. And you loved as I do? If not more. That's why I suggest that during this month when Amelia's away, come with me to Corsica. Oh, I've heard a great deal about the place from a friend. You know, the writer, Prospero Marimi. He tells me it's the most amazing island in the Mediterranean. The strangest customs, wildest mountain scenery. I'm not in the mood for wild mountain scenery. I think I'll stay, if you don't mind, Pierre. Perhaps a letter or two while you're away might serve to lessen my loneliness. told me the story yourself, my son. I would never have believed it. Oh, I'm sorry, Mother. I'm ashamed of myself now. And so you should be. Other branches to send the Gadici away. A Gadici who might one day come to this house and cut your own mother's throat. Oh, please don't. I speak plainly, my son, because it is plain speaking that you want. Come into the study. There is something I would show you. You stay, Griffon. I would rather speak with my son alone. Yes, madame. Look, here on the walls, my son, the evidence, the proof of the heroism and bravery of your ancestors. This dagger, for instance. The dagger of San Pietro. It has been in our family 300 years. It was given to one Napoleon de Franchi by San Pietro himself. Did you forget this dagger when you let Mariana Gadici go free? Did you forget that San Pietro and your ancestor fell into a Genoese ambuscade and defended themselves like lions? You have told me the story often. San Pietro lost his helmet. And the Genoese horseman was about to strike him down with his mace when my ancestor plunged his dagger into the Genoese. And the horseman, wounded, put spurs to his horse and fled, bearing the dagger of Napoleon so deeply embedded in the wound that it could not be pulled out. It was then that the great San Pietro gave your ancestor this dagger. Perhaps the most magnificent piece of Spanish workmanship ever put together. You remember the demonstration your father gave? Yes, Mother. He pierced two coins with it, one on top of the other. Mm. And then there is the sword of Paoli, which hangs next to the dagger. Another evidence of De Franchi bravery. And his carbine. Do all these things mean nothing to you, my son? Oh, Mother, I stand before you, coward. But perhaps... Perhaps I can atone for what I've done. Oh. I gather that there is to be a meeting of some of the Gadici family and at Yazio. That is why Marianne was riding through the pass this night. Mother, perhaps if I could go to a Yazio and await my opportunity, who knows, one of the Gadici may separate himself from the other people, and then I could strike... Oh, I must do something to take that look of contempt from your face. Oh, Mother, I'm not a coward. You know how I hate them. 
You know how I'd fight them to the last man? I know, my son. It was a moment of madness. But all your life you have been unaccountable. These fits of depression, moods of high delight, all for no reason at all. If you must clear your conscience, go to Ajaccio. Seek out at least one of our enemies and ease your conscience. Meanwhile, in Paris, Pierre Gaudet was making preparations for his trip to Corsica. Since he was a writer of no mean ability, his name was well known in Paris. Many people called on him the day after his interview with Louis to say goodbye. On the morning of his departure, he was surprised when Louis arrived at the house and declared that he would go to Toulon to see him off on the boat. Making the journey by coach, they arrived at last at the docks, and half an hour before the boat was due to sail, Pierre made a surprising suggestion. Louis, why didn't you make up your mind to come to Corsica after all? You're here at the quayside. The boat pulls out in less than half an hour. And in 20 hours, we'll be in a yacht show. Don't tempt me. Well, why not? In the first place, I haven't packed a bag. Oh, does that matter? In Corsica, Prospero Marimi tells me, the peasants wear very poor clothes. They don't worry about their appearance. I know how it'd be. No sooner would I be in Corsica than I'd want to be back in Paris. You see, Emily might write. The letters would be delayed. Dear, what's that ship on the other side of the quay? Where's that bound for? Hmm? Oh, that also goes to Corsica, just before we sail, a cargo boat. Apparently, a great deal of trading is done with the island. All I've heard about Corsica is that the peasants are rather like savages, taking no interest in European civilization, and that they keep to themselves. Well, Pierre, a happy journey for you. And you'll write at least once a week. <laughs> Perhaps more than that. Don't be too depressed, Louis. The months will pass quickly. I wait only for the time when Amelia gets back. Goodbye. Take care of yourself. I think we have come on a wild goose chase, Griffo. But why is it? Well, all the morning we've been making inquiries here. But nobody has heard of the meeting of any of the Gadici family. But my news which I brought to your mother's house was authentic. I told you that one of the peasants in the lower village has relations who live on the other side of the mountains. And they overheard old Dino Gadici and his brother talking. They're all going to Ayaccio today or tomorrow. Well, they're not staying at the inn. And where else could they be? Well, well, we made this trip down from the mountains, Griffo, so we may as well enjoy ourselves while we're here. Aye, providing that your hand is near your gun. One can never tell if one of the Gadici makes an appearance. Oh, there is no danger in the town. Even the Gadici know that no killing must be attempted here in Iazio. That would be against the law, and the murderer would have to pay. Some think our customs are strange, but there is a difference between brigandage and cold-blooded murder. It is something the Europeans can never understand. Uh, talking of Europeans, Griffo, mm -hmm. did you notice that two boats sailed into the bay this morning? I've sighted two Europeans in the street already. Hmm. Sightseers, I suppose. Ah. ah, they should leave us alone, Griffo. They come here, wonder at our customs and our habits, 
praise us to our face. When they return to Paris, they make jokes at our expense. Huh. Well, here we are at the inn. I think a glass of wine would be most acceptable. Aye. <laughs> ah, then you go, Griffin. Here, Lucien. In I go. Mm-hmm. Ah, Camille. Wine for two, please. I must find the Gedici, Griffo, if only to appease my mother. She will never forgive me for last night. No, no, no. Come, come, come. Look on this as a holiday, Lucien. Because there is to be a festival tonight in the market square. Now, come. Forget your family worries just for tonight. Your wine, Monsieur de Francis. Oh, thank you, Camille. Oh, Lucien. Look. Here comes another of those Europeans. Ah. I hope we are not plagued with silly questions. A glass of your native wine, please. Yes, Monsieur. Drink it down, Griffo, and quickly. We shall have two in rapid succession. It is then that wine can warm and stimulate. Uh, Mademoiselle, can you tell me, how can I make arrangements to travel from here to Bastio? I have always lived in Lazio, Monsieur. One of these gentlemen standing there knows the way to Bastio well. Oh, uh, thank you. Uh, excuse me, Monsieur. Hmm? I want to ask it. Great heavens. What is the matter? Am I going crazy? I beg your pardon. Am I going crazy or... <laughs> Why, Louis, you rascal, you young rascal. So this is your idea of a joke. A joke? I do not understand. <laughs> you took the cargo boat just to surprise me. And here you are, standing here before me, <laughs> in the peasant costume of a Corsican. Oh, Louis. Is Monsieur raving? <laughs> oh, Louis, you'll dine out on this joke for months to come. But even though it is at my expense, it's wonderful to see you. We can explore Corsica together, as we'd planned. Lucien de Franchi stared in amazement at the well-dressed, middle-aged European who addressed him in this way. What will be Pierre Godet's reactions when he discovers that he is mistaken? Fate draws these two young men closer and closer. Two young men whom you will soon know as the Corsican brothers. Corsican Brothers, from the novel by Alexandre Dumas, adapted for radio by Eric Scott, and the George Edwards production. Picture Pierre Godet's amazement when he walks into an inn in a yachtio 
and finds a man the exact counterpart of his friend Louis Prevost. The only difference is that this man is tanned and toughened by wind and sea and the air of Corsica, and he is dressed in peasant costume. It is then that Pierre suddenly thinks that his friend Louis has played a joke on him and has come across to a yatrio in the cargo ship which left Toulon 20 minutes earlier. In the gaily painted inn with its red door and green shutters and the oddly shaped bottles which line its bar, Pierre Godet roars with laughter and slaps the man Lucien de Franchi on the back. <laughs> oh, you'll always hold it against me to think that you intended to come to Corsica all the time and withheld it from me. If monsieur thinks to joke just because he is a European... <laughs> oh, better and better. Let me look at you, Louis. By heaven, you've assumed an air. An air of this place, its wildness, its ruggedness, and <laughs> even its scowl. Come, Louis, drink with me. I've sampled this wine already. It's excellent. I don't know what you ordered. The joke has gone far enough, monsieur. We Corsicans are hospitable people to strangers, but we don't like to be laughed at. <laughs> it's no use, Louis. You can't fool me. If you thought that a peasant costume such as you're wearing, the velvet jacket, breeches and gaiters, and even the dagger and gun could fool me, you were mistaken. Here, girl, fill these glasses again. Oh, Louis, this is wonderful. You and I exploring this island together. I've already found out that you can choose between hiring horses here or buying them. Five francs a day for hire, or 150 francs to buy the horse outright. And I believe the horses will take you anywhere. They know every inch of the ground around these parts. You spoke of this dagger, monsieur. If you seek to joke with me further, you will feel it. Stop, Camille. Perhaps at times I drink with strangers, but not strangers who make jokes at my expense. Louis. By heaven, if you call me that name again, I'll stab you. You understand? I stab. <laughs> that is to make you understand, monsieur, that I am not joking. Uh, come, Griffo. Yeah. It's on blood. Your chest. It is nothing. Only a pinprick. Am I dreaming? This is Corsica. I am Pierre Godet, and, and that man. That man is not Louis Brother. But of course he is not the name you speak of here. That is Lucien de Franchi. Who? Lucien de Franchi. He lives up in the mountains with his mother. They're the only two de Franchis left in Corsica. Lucien de Franchi? But the likeness I... <laughs> Bring me more wine, girl. A long glass. Like him, so like him that it—it must be, and yet this dagger, the the pinprick here. Oh, Monsieur, already the blood stains your open shirt. Let me bathe it for you, Monsieur. Thank you. It's so unlike Lucien to attack Europeans. He's wild and quick-tempered, but never have I heard of such as this. Although, Monsieur, you did taunt him, didn't you? You joked with him more than perhaps was necessary. I think the joke was on me. Tell me, have you known Monsieur de Franchi long, Camille? Several years. But I've seen him only occasionally when he comes to Yaccio, which is not often. And does he live very far away? He lives on the mountains which overlook Almito and Silicaro, which is quite a long way, Monsieur. And he's come here for the day? Yes, Monsieur. My mother heard it from some of the men this morning. 
He goes back there soon, I think, because the Gadici did not come. Who are the Gadici? A rival family, monsieur. There is a vendetta between the two families, and Monsieur Lucien has been searching the town for Dino Gadici, who did not arrive. I see. It seems that the Corsicans are quick to use their daggers. Perhaps it would be unwise to wander alone on the island. Oh, no, monsieur. All the Corsicans are honest. No matter where you go, no matter how much money you have in your purse, you would never be molested. Those who have to be careful are those who wave the vendetta. Between Omito and Silicaro. So that's where this man lives. I'd like to meet him again. I'd sacrifice all my holiday just to meet and talk to that man again. Why, monsieur, you're trembling. Perhaps the blade bit more deeply. If I can bathe it for you. No, no, no. I'm not upset because of this wound, Camille. It's just that... Well, I feel that I've seen a ghost. The ghost of someone whom I know now is not really here. Gaston! Gaston! Yes, monsieur. Was any letter delivered today? No, monsieur. Oh. There is a fire in the library, monsieur. Thank you, Gaston. Thank you. No letter. Yet it's only the first day. I asked for too much. Why should there be a letter? To receive a letter, one should write first. I shall write at once. Does it take a year? Yes, and a quill. My first letter to a nearly like this. Well, Griffo, I suppose you'll be glad when we reach home. Uh, it's a long journey, Lucien, up to the mountains. Yes, it is a long journey, because it was all for nothing. Your information must have been wrong. There wasn't one Gadici in the whole of Ayazio, nor was one expected. I made no mistake, Lucien. But I know what's happened. You yourself should guess. We ambushed Marianne Gadici. Marianne escaped, and she warned the others. Perhaps they feared a further ambush. Mm-hmm, perhaps so. Ah, Griffo, the summit at last. The best part of the journey. <laughs> ah, Griffo, look down across the mountain. I look forward rather to home and a good supper. <laughs> you always think of your summer, Griffo. But me? Oh. Ah, this could be my supper. The mountains over there, lying one behind the other. The brightest of green here in the foreground. Then behind them, mountains which are blue. Further mountains, pale blue, dark blue, and even purple. And those, the highest of all, with the snow on their peaks. Oh, oh. Doesn't it excite you, Griffo? Doesn't it make you feel that you could whip up your horses and ride pell-mell into the distance? Tearing through those trees, over those crags, to the very summit of the highest mountain of all? If you don't mind, Lucian, let us tear up a hole. My stomach cries. Oh, oh Griffo. <laughs> that overactive stomach of yours. <laughs> all right, come on, then. Soon we'll see the house. Madame will be sitting at a window waiting for us to round the bend. You know, Madame's ears are sharp, Lucian. She'll hear the horse's hooves even now. It was little wonder that Lucien de Franchi paused at the summit of the mountain, because the wild Corsican scenery was breathtaking, almost terrifying in its rugged beauty. 
Even now, as their horses picked their way through the crags along the rocky mountain path, mist swirled across. And occasionally, through the trees, there would be a startling glimpse of a mountain lake, hyacinth blue, set like a jewel in a valley below. Or perhaps there would be a turbulent river slashed with black-pointed stones, or a thick forest clustered on the side of a mountain. All these things Lucien de Franchi loved because he was part of them. Finally, as the two horsemen rounded the bend, they looked up expectantly at the lighted window, where, surely enough, old Madame de Franchi sat waiting for the men to come home. The dogs rushed out to give them a welcome. And as they climbed the ladder of the fort-like house, Madame came hurrying out to meet them. You're early, Lucille. I didn't expect you for hours. Neither you nor Griffin. You didn't expect us, Mother, and yet you were waiting at the window. <laughs> I heard you. Twenty minutes ago. <laughs> you should remember that when you come from a yacht, you the sound come up from the valley. The sound of hoops. But only for your ears, Madame. Surely you have the sharpest ears and courses after But tell you. me, I am making for news. What happened, my son? Did you find any of the Galici? <sighs> not a one, Mother, not a one. There may be 29 of them, but they're cowards. Both Griffo and myself think that they were frightened that I might ambush them again. So, your visit was uneventful. Uh, not quite uneventful, madam. Uh, tell her, Lucien, tell her about the Europeans. Oh, yes. A man came up to me at Camille, the man whom I'd never seen before. <laughs> you almost lost your temper. Well, he tried me, Griffo. He tried me. Still, this dagger is only for the Gadici. Dagger? What is all this talk? You fought? Mm, almost. The man pretended that he knew me. He called me Louis. He called you Louis? Yes, he slapped me on the back, laughed with me, and said that I had joked with him and that he was glad to see me. And even when Lucien asked him to stop with his jokes, he continued, madam. Until I made him understand that nobody laughs at a Dafranchi. Why, oh, mother. Mother, what's the matter? Mother. Thank you, Lucien. I feel giddy. I have. Help me to a chair. Yes, Mother. Here, Madame. Uh, uh, this man, what was he like? Oh, middle-aged. A man of fashion, obviously. Uh, and a tourist. He, he talked about horses for hire. And what else did he say? What else? Horses. Listen. Horses. What? Horses on their way here. I can hear nothing, Madame. But your ears will have spoken of your hearing. They come from a yacht, you. The Gadici. Father Windows, uh, get out the rifles. Uh, they wouldn't dare. After my meeting with Marianne Gadici, I know that she would dare anything. She's a tigress, mother. And perhaps since I ambushed her only yesterday, she and her family might be retaliating. Griffo, go to the front door. Take up the ladder. Bar the front of the house. We shall be ready. As the sound of horses grew nearer, preparations were completed inside the fort-like house. Are the Gadici closing in on their hated enemy, or does this sound of horses signify that a stranger comes? A puzzled, perplexed stranger who feels that he must delve deep down into this strange mystery which surrounds an almost incredible likeness between two human beings. You'll hear more of this in the next chapter of The Corsican Brothers.
This radio program is a dramatization of Alexander Dumas' novella Corsican Brothers, written in 1844. The story is about a set of twins separated at birth and raised in completely different circumstances. Both thirst for revenge against the man who killed their parents, both fall in love with the same woman. They are unaware of each other, but are drawn inextricably into familial duty, with its blood ties and vendetta-based webs of treachery. The story is told in 52 serialized chapters, similar to the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and Afloat with Henry Morgan programs. And by happy coincidence, you can buy the rest of the story on the comic web. The program is Australian and was produced by George Edwards. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.